Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. I'm Susan Olesic, and I'm joined today by two of my favorite type sevens on the planet. One is Cherie Healy. Cherie, welcome. Thank you. Glad you're here. And Rick Olesic. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> we have been journeying all the way around the Enneagram these last nine months together, landing today um, in the head triad for our final type. And I'm so pleased to have two fine exemplars to help me to fill out type seven today. Number one, because I'm not a seven, although I don't want I'm connected to it. Um, but also because both my guests today have um, a really special place in my heart for the way they are um, stepping into my own shared vision for how the Enneagram can be part of healing on our planet. And um, we start with you, Sheree. Sheree is a board-certified coach. She's the founder of One Woman Effect and the Brain Group. And Sheree blends really a lifetime of study with great masters in spirituality, strategy, and transformation. She's a business owner like myself and an entrepreneur, and she has degrees in marketing, communication, and strategic intervention. And Sheree's been working with corporate leaders for the last 20 years to rise up and make a difference in the world. She she calls herself a corporate culture junkie, and she like me is on a mission to change things up. And um, I'm just I'm just so pleased that you joined us today, Sheree. Thank you, thank you so much for your time and for your shared vision. Oh my gosh, it's my honor. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm such a huge fan of your work and how our work comes together to help people to know their true inner self. So I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you, me too. And my second guest is even um, even closer probably than anyone else to me on the planet. Rick Olesic is not only my um, my partner in crime at any prison project as the executive director, but also my life partner and to whom I've also been married for, we just decide, Rick, 21 years, going starting on this Thursday. And um, Rick and I have um, been... Uh, raising three beautiful boys and for the last eight or 12 years been talking um, in avidly about this thing that's been on my heart for a long time and that is helping to um, bring the Enneagram into jails and prisons across the United States and across the world and to bring the same amazing self-awareness tool into corporations. So I'm really delighted, Rick, as our executive director and as somebody who's a visionary himself in the field and um, in the world to welcome you to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm honored as well. I'm excited to excited mm-hmm. to explore this for this, this this little talk that we have. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Well, I wanted to say that um, in talking about the head triad, I'd like to just first remind our guests that the head types, which is types 5, 6, and 7, are the ones who filter the world through the intelligence of the mind. These are the types that lead with their ideas. They are information gatherers. Um, They tend to be rational, decision-making people that want to know things before taking action. Um, They're focused on, what can we say, data, reason, rationality, logic, systems, knowledge, um, these are the types five, six, and seven who are asking who or what can I trust? And there's a real striving for safety and for certainty. And it's interesting um, because five, six, and seven tend to to not always trust their own inner knowing, their own inner guidance. And so there's a focus on what the future and what it will be and a sort of doubt sometimes or uncertainty about their own um, sort of GPS that's inside. And so... um, This is a paradox, actually, and especially so because type 7 of all the fear types, we would call them, um, they tend not to look afraid in any way. They tend to look like optimists. Um, Cherie calls herself a possibilitarian. They're really out there in the world, and 
it's interesting because five, six, and seven, while they share this not trusting their own inner guidance, fives tend to go up in their mind and sevens tend to go out in the world. And um, sixes, like everything about six, they tend to do a little bit of both. So I'd love to um, just describe a little bit specifically about type seven and then go into a few questions to let you guys fill it out for us in the narrative tradition that I love so much. Um, so I'll say this, that sevens really um, come to teach the rest of us about rest of us about joy and about freedom. And there's a there's a real um, buoyancy, I think, in type seven. You can often feel sevens before they open their mouths because they have this sort of um, lightheartedness, this light to them. And I'm obviously very biased to this type because I married one. But, um, you know, sevens are kind of like the Pied Piper, and people want to follow them. Um, and our family, everyone always calls my husband, um, all the kids in our lives have always called him Fun Daddy. And I'll tell you, that's not really been my title, Fun Mommy. <laughs> I'm more like about the work <laughs> and about the play and about the fun. And so um, they they really have this quality. But the, the young seven gets this idea, and all of our types get the idea that the world is not always what we want it to be. And the sevens get this idea that they're going to get stuck or trapped in pain. And the um, alternative to this or the, the solution to this for sevens is, I think, brilliant. But they figure out how to keep life up and positive and optimistic and to look on the shiny side of the coin. And they have this amazing defense mechanism that they don't even know they're doing that is called rationalization that sort of can reframe even the hardest situations and circumstances to be very positive. And, um, and of course, this is an amazing way to be and, and make seven sort of serial entrepreneurs and their idea generators. And, um, and it also means that sometimes sevens can be, um, uh, have a way of staying in things that maybe that they don't want to be in too long or in a way not wanting to be too long in something um, that could teach them something. So like everything in the Enneagram, there's an upside and a downside. Um, but we really need the seven because we need the positivity that comes from this type on our planet. And so I want to start by um, this this idea of options and possibilities. I mean, Shree, I just think your your job title as a possibilitarian is such a a statement about yourself as a seven. So I'm just asking, did your, so did your crazy. actually go this direction? <laughs> Tell us about that. Come with your title. I tell you, I mean, it just every time I get a minute with you to learn more about what you know, my mind is blown. I've taken almost a full page of notes already. Oh, oh. And it's crazy because in my work, I, I am here to teach joy. And when you talk to me about this type, I feel so validated constantly. Like I, mm. my whole message is what if joy is like the greatest thing that you could give the planet? If, mm-hmm. if we were to reduce everything, all the pressures and the titles and the striving for finding our purpose and our mission. I mean, I'm constantly just saying, what if you just found what makes you happy and you walk around mm-hmm. the planet like a joy-filled being? That's the mm-hmm. most incredible thing that anybody could give because it's contagious. And then you talked about freedom, and that's tattooed on my right arm. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm... I'm like cracking up that I I definitely have this. Um, I've also been called like a the, the optimist of all time, um, and I mm-hmm. think at taking all of those things, the very positive, shiny approach to life that's had me be teased and put down um, for mm-hmm. the better part of my life. People saying mm-hmm. like, "Who are you to be so happy? What you know? What's it with you?" <laughs> like I can't right. trust you. I don't know if you're the real deal because nobody's this happy and and really Mm. struggled a lot with that in my life because I thought maybe I should just tone it down you know maybe I should just be normal Mm. like the rest of the people um Mm. and be a little bit more skeptical or tough and I'm getting that that is definitely a coping mechanism because um I can see how you know, the dark side of the seven can get sad and, and depressed about what's going on in the world and look at it as um, 
uh, pretty bleak and there can be a lot of fear around that. And so I'm, I grappled with this my whole life, but not knowing that I was a seven, I used to attribute it to my dad being very much the negative and very pessimistic. And my mom's whole side of the family was very optimistic. And I weighed the two and studied a lot. Of course, the head, right? I researched like crazy with scholars and sages and great beings and teachers that everybody I could get my hands on to say, which way is right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think for for me, then that probably all rolled up to the title at some point to say, Mm -hmm. look, I have this core belief that anything is possible. And with the Enneagram work and knowing the self and then some of the things that I do in my work around removing blocks and helping people believe in themselves and know themselves, then it's true that really, truly anything is possible. And and we Mm -hmm. get stumped a lot thinking that that's not true, that what we want isn't possible for us or that we're not worthy of it. And I'm just on a mission to have people get everything that they want and reach all of their own possibilities. Um, so, yeah, I'm yeah. most definitely a seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We're on the right show. And, you know, I love, yes. I love all of what you just shared. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a, a, to say a little bit more, and then we'll take a break, and we're going to bring Rick right into the conversation. But can you tell us, since you, since you have it tattooed on your arm, what is freedom? What does that mean to you as a seven? Mm. Yeah, I get asked that a lot because it's right out there, but I did it for myself um, because I believe that there are two arrival points in our life. Like if we could talk about what is the ultimate attainment in life, it's to become love and to become freedom, to not search for it so much outside of ourselves, you know, with so much money or a certain title or being out of a relationship or all the ways in which we try to find freedom and live freely, that it actually is kind of a a state of being in my mind that when you become a source of freedom for yourself and others, that's the ultimate attainment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know even still people who I study with who are free, it could be, I guess, a form of enlightenment, if you wanted to call it that. There's still ever more. It's not like I used to have the wrong understanding that there was this zenith point, you know, where you just you arrive and then you just get to celebrate or call it a day. There's always more. So it's always um, there for us to unpack even more freedom. But how can we, in the midst of this moment, with all that's going on in the world, find freedom within ourselves? a state of feeling like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't I don't want to stop your flow. I was uh, actually just hanging on it because your definition is, and your understanding of it, I think, even more so, is so much what I strive to teach around type 7 because, of course, personality is what shows up when we don't. And when 7s forget their own inner guidance, they're, they're not connected to themselves, they don't trust their own um, enoughness, then it, sevens can really be um, straining enthusiasm and pushing their um, need to be happy and, and that sort of thing. But what you're talking about is, is qualitatively different, that there's something to draw on internally that allows you to, to um, have that freedom inside. And it doesn't matter what's going on outside of you, or at least that's the goal. And I know that um, I know that this is your life work. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, but you just I, made it so crystal clear. Because it is an internal, I am free to do whatever I need to do for me in any moment, you know, kind of thinking that is very hard for us. Hold, hold that thought and be right back with Sheree and Rick. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? 
Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity, live wholeheartedly, and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying inspiring voices, facing challenging realities head-on, opening up new places of power, and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. We're back with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio and Rick Olesic and Sheree Healy. And we're talking about freedom and type 7. Sheree, I hate to, hated to even interrupt your flow for one second, but let me just bring Rick into this dialogue because I know he has so much to say. And um, Rick, let me just start by asking you the same kind of question I, I started Sheree with, which is, do you, um, can you tell us about, about joy and how 7s come to teach us about this and having the options and the possibilities inside of you? What, what say you? <laughs> well, I, I I was also hanging on every word that Sheree was saying, so it was really wonderful to to, to hear the two of you riff on that. Um, I think that the thing for me on joy, really, is, and options is really a way. It was a it's been a mechanism for me to to survive, and the survival has been around making sure that I'm not going to be in any type of pain. So the options is an awesome way to do that. As I, have more, as I have more and more options, I can make sure that if something falls through or if something doesn't happen, then I can, I can move on and still keep uh, the happiness or fun or joy in my life. Um, and that it was a really, really uh, useful trait and still is a, is a useful thing for me um, as long as I do it in moderation and understand what mm-hmm. it is I'm actually doing. Um, before, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I would do that um, unconsciously and, and in, in, the, in trying to stay on the high side of the curve, the happy side of the curve, not moving towards the sadness. Um, it protected me, I thought, from the pain. Um, but when the pain actually came, it was really, really heavy because it got through all of my... All of my particular defenses and masks, and or the things I had set up and defend uh, you know, to stop the, the, the sadness or the pain to come through. So, uh, it is very was very very useful, and now that I understand it more, um, is even more useful because now I can go through and 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 think about what it is that's that's setting that off, 
and be more full with whatever comes my way, whether it happens to be uh, happy things or sad things. Right, and you know, I think you are the person in my in my life that always reminds me we can't actually prepare for war and peace at the same time, and when we're stuck using our defense mechanisms because we're so needing to defend our hearts from what we think is going to take us down, which is pain for type 7, then are we really able to experience all the joy that's around us either? That's a very pointed, you know, poignant thing that you guys are both bringing in right away. So I have to say, for those listening, that this is a rather sober perspective that 7s can bring. And I know both of you have been on the path for a lifetime. And um, so... So maybe we can say something about that. I mean, you both sort of alluding to it that this is a survival strategy. And how is it that being a seven helped you to helped you to survive when you were growing up? Rick, can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so I had lots of pain when I was growing up. In that um, I was I had an alcoholic mother that that really um, I didn't know from day to day what was going to be. Uh, that she wasn't violent, but she was checked out, and so I didn't know from day to day what was going to be coming my way. So what I ended up doing is filling my days with um, with ways to escape, ways to get away from whatever that household kind of looked like. And that's not saying that my my childhood was horrible. It wasn't. It just means that that particular part um, was um, was something that I. That's the place where I used my my defensive mechanism the most. Right, which we know uh, for type 7 is called rationalization, which is another w- a way of reframing things, shining them up so that they don't have to look so, quite so hard. And one of my favorite examples is often um, involves you. That I, I usually say this quick quip, which is that if we're driving and Rick's driving too fast and I'm chomping at him and telling him that, which I'm sure he loves, um, <laughs> we're going to driving through a crosswalk, and I'll say, "Do you see all those people in the crosswalk?" And he'll say, "Yeah, they're waiting for me." <laughs> and there we have, <laughs> there we have, not having to stay in that pain any any bit too long. But Rick, how does this how does this um, mechanism help you? How does it help you to survive even today? Well, I mean, you just mentioned it, and and that that kind of a story is that's my unconscious bias or if that's the right term, I think but it certainly is an unconscious reflex, um, mm-hmm. one where something happens and I immediately reframe it into the positive, something positive mm-hmm. um, about me or something positive about um, in, in, a, in a positive light. Um, and that is the, the shiny side of the penny versus the dull side of the penny. And sometimes that can look really great. So... You know, you know, fun daddy that you referred to, or, or making things fun for to be around, or the Pied Piper, all of that. Um, you can look at that and say, you know, that's that's really the positive side of the shiny side of the penny. But then there's the mm-hmm. sh- you know shining up things that you shouldn't shine up, things that really aren't that way, things that isn't it's not reality. Um, whether it's somebody waiting, for me, them waiting for me at the crosswalk, that's obviously um, that's not true, and that's not the reality, and so that's where it gets you into trouble. And can you say before we we bring Sheree in for the same line of line of questioning? So funny way to put it. Um, I'm just how like is nodding over here. Say, <laughs> <laughs> I know you. Like, I don't know what he's talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you like yeah, me to talk to you about? Your, yeah, say something about how you um, how you've used this knowledge and this. Um, sort of knowledge of your coping strategy or your personality structure to sort of reframe even a hard situation so that you can stay maybe? Is that something that you can speak to? So I can't say what? I didn't hear the last part. Can't say. Can you? So maybe we're having a hard time with the connection. Are you guys not hearing me? I, I just couldn't hear that last little bit. That's all. Okay, so we'll just edit that one to one place. So, Rick, bringing you um, through this um, last bit of, of questioning, is there something that you can speak to about um, using your understanding of your personality structure and how that how you can even reframe a hard situation as a way of staying? Are you are you able to speak to something like that? Right. 
So let me think about that for a second. Um, so I think that right the the hard the reframing to stay. So. Um, I'll add a little more. It's kind of a convoluted question, maybe, and, and I know, though, that you have lots to 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 bring in because sevens are the type, I think, that um, I've often, I've heard um, my colleagues and other people talk about. They're the ones that can survive even the hardest situations. You know, they're the ones that tell me that I'm just here at a retreat when they're sitting in front of me in prison, that they can reframe things in a marvelous way so that they can manage their way through it. But when you're aware that this is your personality structure, it's uh, a way of realizing that it's not necessarily healthy to avoid all pain. So if I can reframe it enough for myself so that I can stay the course and I actually could get the the teaching that life is trying to give me, the fullness of perspective that is mine to have if I'm willing to receive it, like kind of what Sheree was talking about in the beginning, the emotional freedom is inside, not outside. Right. So I think I can speak to that for certainly for a second. Um, I, one of the things that that one of the things that I came upon when I was trying to deconstruct my own kind of mechanisms was that I was noticing that I stayed on the on the upper half of the joy sadness spectrum. So I would always try to tend towards joy, and then the way I kind of reframed it, so using my own um, my own uh, defense mechanism kind of against itself is in a way that I said, you know, I'm not actually getting the full spectrum of life. And and so it would be better, more more full, more, you know, with more experiences if I actually allowed myself to be able to sit in a painful place and be able to experience, because sevens are a lot about experience, experience what that is, and in, in doing that, what I realized is that the, pay, the place of pain actually wasn't as scary and wasn't as debilitating mm-hmm. as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so, of mm-hmm. course, in tiny steps for sure, but then over time in larger and larger steps. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Cherie, I wanted to um, ask if you can share some some of the things that are coming up for you as you're listening to Rick and and what you want to add about how did this part of your personality structure help you to survive growing up or how does it help you even? Yeah, it's it's just the coolest to have this conversation with another seven because, again, you just feel so um, like you're not this aberration. I feel um, safety in numbers I I share this for sure. Um I think it most definitely helped me uh in growing up because of the negativity that I was immersed in with my dad. Um and how kind of being with my mom and my grandpa and that side of the family was all light and possibility, you know, it was safe haven to be with people who shared my views and could see the possibilities and things and um, be in the light, you know, so to speak. Uh, It's definitely helped me in my work. I think I found great work (laughs) to put this talent to use because I can reframe any problem that a client is facing on a dime to make it something useful that will keep them moving forward. Um, But where I have seen it show up in Um, as a challenge is in relationships because, you know, I have a gift for seeing the light in people, for seeing the good first, which is a wonderful spiritual practice. (laughs) But in relationships, Mm -hmm. sometimes um, there's a blinder effect that can happen um, in a romantic relationship where I'm, you know, only seeing this person's greatness and none of the warning signs, none of the red flags Mm -hmm. that might suggest that this person isn't healthy for me. So mm-hmm. it's been a big practice for me to um, ex- to welcome both the light and the dark without judgment, to know that there there is this tendency that we have to judge, to say things are good or bad, right or wrong, and it's probably no coincidence that I found the Tantra, which is a philosophy and a practice of seeing that we are here to play the edge to be in the middle of the dark and the light that neither is wrong 
and to find mastery in being with, like Rick said, the full spectrum of life. I used to talk about how, you know, I would help people find joy. And then I had that same epiphany that Rick had around, wait a minute, there's like a lot of other emotions. (laughs) You know, there's a, in Sanskrit, it's called rasas, all the flavors. And so that's Mm -hmm. definitely now my more mature approach to life is to experience all the flavors without judgment. Thank you. Speaking of all the flavors, you know, it's a nice um, segue you had you put there for me, Cherie, because the emotional driver for type 7, what was traditionally called the passion, is called gluttony. And, you know, if you don't like that one, we've got lust and anger and envy and every one of the types comes with one of these drivers. And, you know, gluttony, I've never really ever met a seven who doesn't love a buffet. So it's, it is there a, a <laughs> lot of flavor in life and sevens want to experience that. But I, I think it's even a deeper um, emotional um, passion for that, even for type seven. It's, it's like a stuffing of the mind. It's like a, a wanting how to have more and more things in my mind. It's, a, it's something more to it. Can, can you say a little bit, Rick, about what gluttony is to you, how you understand it? Sure, um, and I think that it really is a mental gluttony. Um, of course, there's physical, but uh, and um, and experiential. Um, whether it happens mm-hmm. to be um, most sevens that I know, if not all sevens, are foodies and really like good food and like to to find you know something and experience it that way. They also like experience and like to go and and have experiences, and those are things that they that are they're partaking in. Um, but then there's this mental gluttony, which is which is always trying to um, <clears throat> just <laughs> stuff our minds with. I, I mean, I, the funny the funny little anecdote is um, is on my bed on my table next to my bed is about there about seven or eight different books of which I've read probably the first <laughs> fifteen or twenty pages of. And and I always keep them there because I'm thinking, well, if I could just pick that one up or this other one up. And instead of diving in and just reading it all the way through, I'm like, oh, let's try another one. Or I feel like this today or whatever. And so it's just, it's just, um, just massive overload of if, if a little bit is fine, then I'll just do a lot of, you know, I do a lot more. So it's more is better. So. <laughs> In the next in the next minute before we take another quick break, Sheree, what's coming up for you? Why are you giggling over there? <laughs> I want you to send me a picture, and I'll send you a picture. <laughs> I think I have twelve. I mean, really, it's a it's a thing. I I no, I have a lot more than twelve. Um, God, I would have I would have more, Sheree. I would have more, except for the fact that Susan keeps cleaning them up. Oh, God. <laughs> right. oh boy, there's that. <laughs> no, it's really. What's the sense of it? Yeah, why? Tell us why. Oh, because I mean, if my mom were on the phone right now, she'd be dying laughing because she was always telling me like, "You're ready, you're ready, like you know enough, you've got enough credentials, you're all good, like <laughs> go." And I'd be like, oh, "Just like need to read one more, or take one more workshop, or." One more. It's it's exactly. this probably plays from the thing of not being enough, right? At our core, that we feel like we could be better. There's always more. That's right. And my right. like, I had a big epiphany at one moment in a workshop where a teacher talked about the moreness of life, that there's always more beyond enlightenment and all this. And I was like, you know, ten exclamation points in my notebook, like moreness. <laughs> that is such a great word. <laughs> We'll be right back for Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Don't go away. You guys are awesome. (laughs) All right, we're going to go right back in for our last 16-minute segment. And four, three, two. We're back with more Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. This is Susan Olesic talking with Sheree Healy and Rick Olesic about being a type 7. And, you know, you guys, the, the gluttony and the, um, the moreness aside that Cherise just brought in a new word for us, there is a, um, there is sort of a avoiding of limits, not wanting to be limited in any way and wanting to have options out there. 
And um, there's also a sober side that comes somewhere in the middle. And the high side for type 7 we call constancy. Another word that comes in for type 7 is a sense of sobriety that Helen Palmer taught me and, and says often that you, can, you can't really do more than one thing at one time, that anytime you do more than one thing, you're splitting your attention. And if you do you know, four things at a time, you're splitting it again. So I know that when seven really get on the path and they get on to themselves about the fact that this, the drug of choice is options and actually it, it always requires another hit, that seven up and they start to learn how to stay with one thing at a time. And I'm wondering, Sheree, if, if this resonates with you and if you um, can speak a little bit to how this might be true for you in your life. Yeah, it does. I I think it makes me think of, you know, how we're driven by fear and certainty, that there's this control thing that can come in. Um, I, I think about it in the ever never-ending need to focus, you know, one thing at a time. I, I think that's a skill that brings certainty and safety, and and I cling to that, you know, because I can get so overwhelmed by the moreness, you know, even mm-hmm. though I think I love it. Like, more celebration, more travel, more knowledge, more everything. And so it's this little voice in me that says, put the blinders on, you know, that there's got to be sanity to it. And I think meditation has been a giant gift for me and my yoga practice Mm -hmm. on this because to find stillness, to train my mind, to be okay with being fully present and being with one thing at a time is like a lifeline. And, And I think the soberness also comes in um, in just noticing what's going on in the world. The minute you're not mm-hmm. focused on the happy, happy, joy, joy, there is quite a heaviness, you know, where I will admit in private, although here we are on a public podcast, um, mm-hmm. at times that it's it's soul-crushing for me to be in this world sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Really and is. I think that really speaks to the intelligence of the type 7, right, that it feels so crushing, particularly in these times. And so the um, the tendency or the impulse to reach for something that feels better is human. And in the wisdom of the Enneagram book, there's a paragraph um, on page 41 that we often read to the students in our class. And it says, I probably have read it on one of these other calls in the last nine times. I don't even know, but always remember that it's your birthright and your natural state to be wise and noble. It's your birthright to be loving and generous, to esteem yourself and others, to be creative and constantly renewing yourself. And it goes on. Like We know this inside of ourselves as little beings and as young adults. And so the strategy for seven is this unconscious thing, but it works. And Rick, I, I, I want to invite you to say something, too, for yourself. Is I know that you've been on this path, and um, I know that you can add to this conversation. What's coming up for you? Well, I was liking what what Sheree was saying because, um, and the word that really um, resonated with me was presence. And so when I when I find myself spinning into infinity, quote uh, Paul Simon, um, what I what I know I need to do is get present and get my my feet feel my feet on the ground and feel my and, and get. You were, you were saying, Sheree, putting your blinders on. And that's really what it is. It's, it's like a focus. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, hey, instead of having a scattered, um, more open, you know, peripheral where I can see almost everything, instead, let's focus on what's in front of me, focus what's important, and, and, and drive towards that um, and not get distracted. Um, that's why I love the, the, the metaphor of the blinders, is not get distracted by mm-hmm. everything in my periphery. So, Rick, I just got to hear a great teacher um, at the International Enneagram Association conference in Finland last week, and this teacher's name is Osnat. She's from Israel, and she said this line that I thought was so beautiful. She said, the ego screams, but the soul whispers. And so I'm wondering for you, what's your practice to hear your whispering soul and to drown out the screams of your ego? How do you get present? 
Well, <clears throat> it comes as a practice, right? So there's there's the meditation practice, and there's the and there's the understanding of when things are starting to to spin, to be able to take that breath and really get down and and, and focus on the breath, and and that's my um, that's been my present practice is just to make sure that as I'm going uh, through this life that I can constantly move back to the breath um, because that, there's so much power there. Beautiful. Thank you. How about you, Sheree? How do you get present? Mm, I agree with the breath, too. Um, it, there are a number of gateways for me and I think I've just been so focused on this to survive, really. Um, music is a biggie. I think mm-hmm. music just so quickly brings me back to center. Um, movement, I think that that can get me out of my head and get me tuned back in through the body. Mm-hmm. Um and oddly enough, like a really good talk like this, being around other great mm-hmm. beings who I feel safe with, you know, that I can really mm-hmm. talk to, be the quickest mm-hmm. reset. Such a gift. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, we have a, about nine minutes left, and I want to talk with both of you for nine more hours about this last piece of our conversation. <laughs> but I'll start with you, Cherie. Can you talk, us, talk to us a little bit about how you're using your gifts as a seven in your professional life and um, and how that's informing the way you work in the world? Oh, gosh. Um, well, my latest project, and I think my most exciting to date, it feels like doing what I was here to do, what I was born to do, is this Luminaries program. And um, there's a particular part of the Luminaries program that I'm really excited about called LIT, which stands for Luminaries in Tech. And it's using the possibilitarian viewpoint to say that maybe possibly we could bring love and heart and humanity to our work. I think especially in the high-tech environment, you know, we're in such an incredibly gifted and blessed position. We have a platform and we have so much influence on the world right now. And that's why I'm really targeting high-tech because of that, that if we can start to shift the consciousness of how we work, how we treat each other, perhaps show up to work not in survival mode, in more of a freedom mode, and more of a joyful, safe, human, vulnerable mode, what could be possible? What problems mm-hmm. could we know, solve for? I I know some of your um, your colleagues and people, clients also that you've worked with um, were with Rick and I both at San Quentin a few weeks back when our advisory board member, Gabor Mate, was speaking to the men in blue about um, about addiction and about childhood healing and um, childhood wounds and healing. And so maybe you can just, if you could, blend a little bit about what you came away from that experience with and how it's informing your your next steps in your corporate work? Oh, God, it was huge because we're sitting there in prison with these beautiful men who, you know, no fear and no survival, probably better than anyone in the corporate world. They've been in it, deeply in it, and there they were, hearts wide open, holding their feelings in their hands, connecting and sharing and asking questions in a way that I would die to see people at work do that. I think Mm -hmm. our work is like a prison. We go there with our armor and our shields on and, you know, holding back our true feelings. They're not even welcome. And Mm -hmm. many of us have been put down and sidelined and not promoted and all of that for having feelings, which I think you know, knowing ourselves and being able to be really human are superpowers that if we could put them to work like the men at San Quentin are, I just, I, I have this vision that's mind-blowing. You know, it's it just, mm-hmm. anything could be possible, right? And And I think we've got a lot of fear in corporate and competition. And if I, you know, really speak my mind or if I really show up the way I want to, you know, they'll 
I won't get that promotion or they'll think less of me. And so there's a lot of game playing. And I just, in, in the prison that night, there was no game playing. It was just so mm. very elevated and, and real. And I know my colleagues and I were sitting there talking about how we needed to have these men come to the office and show people what's possible to show them what it's like to be that heart open and that vulnerable. Mm, right. Well, I, I definitely agree with the metaphor that we're in the prison that we make for ourselves. But when the prison is made for us in childhood, it's not our choice, not uh, one bit. And um, a lot of people that I'm working with in corporations are sharing with me the, the hard starts that they came from. And their so- solution, their strategy was to become very, very high-performing, high-functioning. Yeah. And so I want to, I wanna, you know, stand on some of what Cherie's already been sharing, Rick, and invite you into the last few minutes of our, our dialogue here about what do you see as, um, as is possible as the executive director of Enneagram Prison Project and a consultant, too, in your own right, and the Enneagram certified person. Well, tell, me, tell me what your, um, your next steps are with the Enneagram and your own type and how you're working in the world. Thank you. And, Sheree, I just want to say that that was lovely. I really enjoyed listening and was moved by what you were saying about the, the men in blue and how pure that was because that's how I took it away. Mm-hmm. That was my takeaway from that, too. And, yeah. And, you know, one of, you know, as the executive director for Indian Prison Project, I'm spending you know, all my time trying to figure out how to put this in place and put the infrastructure in place and, and make sure that we have our hearts open to, to move into all of these jails and prisons, either in the United States or around the world. And and the thing that my type, how my type gets in here is that I can see from a larger vision what can be, just like the one and the and the four, you know, are on the <clears throat> sorry on the uh, you know be able to see this in a in a, in a in a visionary way. I'm that's the part that uh, that drives me. And so when I look at and listen to Cherie talk about that, and from her perspective, from my perspective, I was so overwhelmed with the support from the people in the community that came, as well as from the men, and then Gabor showing up in, in, in the way he did and the way he was able to speak, you know, to the to the to to his part. And it was just, it was an incredible night. And um, as we had to kind of go forward with the prison project, I'm looking, you know, we were doing the stuff in Finland. We just came back from the IE Finland. And I'm excited about opening up new affiliates in different countries and starting that conversation with other countries and other cultures about how they do corrections. Um, and as we open up more chapters here in the U.S. doing the same thing, I, I, I get more and more giddy about how how we can, like I said, open this conversation up to more people, and so more people can see, you know, what it is to 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 be present um, and to to be you know, to be heart wide open and to be experienced, mm-hmm. you know, the self awareness that comes with 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 you know, with the Enneagram and with, with their ability to kind of be present to it. It it's been beautiful to watch and you know, I don't I don't have more to say than just to say that I'm I'm so excited about all the things that are going on for us. Thank you. Thank you. I want to just let our listeners know that we are, Enneagram Prison Project is um, growing and um, and also SusanOlesic.com is taking on some corporate work and we're trying to use the, the amazing ambassadors that have come out of the work of EPP to help to be teachers of about how we make these prisons for ourselves. And some of our ambassadors will be um, speaking on panels at brown bag lunches in order to, to demonstrate what does presence even look like? Because I find that the people who have really journeyed their own interior interiority, they know what the bottom of themselves looks like. And they're not afraid because they've seen it and they have lived anyway. And I think this is the part that all, all of us navigate so much and our ego is so tricky, trying to, definitely trying to help us avoid it. So... Um, I'm really excited too, just as a fellow visionary on uh, on the Enneagram. Um, and I, I wanted to just ask Sheree if there's anything else that you'd like to say, and in conclusion, just about what it's been like to to take a peek at um, at your sevenness and um, 
your enoughness through this lens and um, before you leave here today. Oh, I think it's such a giant gift. And, you know, I'm so excited about it that I'm pulling you into every gig that I have in the corporate space <laughs> because I really think that this is one of the greatest tools to knowing the inner self. And that's really mm-hmm. our first module in becoming a luminary, becoming somebody mm-hmm. who really shows the way, um, leads, you know, the lightness and the dark. I think knowing who you truly are is everything. And I think mm-hmm. knowing more about my sevenness helps me be a better mama. <laughs> I've done the Enneagram with my kids, and it's so it's so beyond any other sort of self-awareness tool that I've come across. So I just want to shout it from the mountaintop that <laughs> everyone should know what their type is, like now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both for being here and for helping us to translate type 7 into um, the full picture that this personality type structure is. And I'd like everyone to know that you can tune in to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific or 5 p.m. Eastern for a conversation between Rochelle and integral psychotherapist and author Robert Masters on the topic of spiritual bypassing. If you've been on a healing journey, it's very likely that you have participated in spiritual bypassing, and this is the use of spiritual practices and beliefs to avoid dealing with feelings, unresolved wounds, and developmental needs. You can join us for this conversation on the healing power of emotional intimacy, learning to recognize and transform the obstacles that keep us from living the life fully, and developing clarity for keeping it real in these challenging times. Thank you for joining us on this journey, and until next time, may you be well. Thank you. Susan Olesic for Revolutionary Wellness, signing off. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing, to greater degrees of compassion, and to pathways to health for our world with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel.